Hi again, welcome to another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, the Dragon Boats will be back on Barry's waterfront this weekend, a colorful event that raises money for local charities. It's also the start of the Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto. We'll get the rundown from the head barker. There's a village in British Columbia that's found a new way for people with dementia to continue living outside of an institutional setting. It's unique, groundbreaking, and refreshing. But first, remember Bill Walichka rose to fame on Much Music in the 90s, interviewing thousands of film and TV stars, politicians, and more? Haven't heard from him in some time. What's he been up to? How about writing a memoir entitled Bill Walichka, A Happy Has Been, and stopping down to chat about it and his days in Barry with Barry 360's MJ. I just want to thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me today because you've got some really exciting things coming down the line. Um, you've got a book that you've written, life stories kind of all, you know, spanning your early life and, you know, into your career right now. How ex- What made you decide to, to write this book? It, it sort of started when I first moved to Kingston, believe it or not. That was around 12 years ago uh, to work in television. I always have. And the Kingston Whig Standard, uh, the local paper, asked me to do a monthly column on my life. And I thought, well, who's going to read this? So I said, sure. Uh, it went for four or five years, and it ended up getting syndicated across Canada. And um, people loved it. And then when I thought I had written enough, I was just sort of done. Um, along came COVID, and podcasts started popping up like crazy across Canada. And I kept getting asked to do... Uh, doing guest spots on different people's podcasts talking about much or the 90s or music trends or whatever and so I started writing down stories and then realized with the stories that I had freshly recounted and then with the wig standard columns I'm just going to start writing one day this was at the beginning of 2021 or halfway through 2021 and then about halfway through 2022 realized I think I have a book here just the way it was forming and with chapters. By the end of last year, I had a book and shopped it and um, ended up getting a publisher who could put it out this year because I really wanted it to be released in 2023. And um, it's a 35th year of me being in broadcasting, and then there's a new Much Music documentary coming out. It was just the timing was some, something about this year. I really wanted it out, and it came out two weeks ago, and apparently it's doing really well, and it blows my mind that people want to hear stories or want to hear what I might have to say about a certain period in my life that was very exciting to me and you know groundbreaking in Canadian broadcasting and pop culture. And uh, so, yeah, the book is here, and it's out, and I'm very proud of it. Really surprised that people care. Mm-hmm. And that's what blows me away. What I love about it is like, I- I'm a 90s kid and um, so many things that you highlight in the book and just like, you know, just talking about your experiences are things that it's taking me a trip down memory lane because there is when you're talking about the White Ribbon campaign and the Tea Party song release. I'm like, oh man, I love that song. And I immediately went to YouTube and started blasting it. And my kids are like, what are you, what are you listening to? So <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about nostalgia. I was talking with someone about this today about the decade prior, not really cool, but two decades prior is cool. And you can apply that to every decade, you know. In the, in the 90s, the, the 80s were laughable, but it wasn't until the 2000s came along where people had a reverence for the 80s. So I think that's what we're seeing with the 90s now. 
in doing a lot of interviews with artists at that time with much music and much more music, I was being reminded of my high school years and who I had on my jean jacket in terms of patches or buttons. And then to be able to bond with these artists years later was a perfect circle. And there's a lot of perfect circles in the book. When you moved to Barrie, because you do have some history here, a lot of history here, it's where you discovered the cure and you also went through a little bit of a, I don't want to say emo phase, but <laughs> slightly <laughs> maybe, like everyone sort of does at some point. Yeah, halfway through high school, my mom wanted to move to Barrie to retire. And those are delicate years for a teenager. And all of a sudden removed from everything that I thought I knew and loved in Thornhill, Ontario, friends, everything, bang, you know, make new friends, start over in school, you know, just and for a teenager, that's somewhat difficult. And uh, so I sort of became a bit of a loner, and that's sort of when I discovered The Cure, and it was all about individuality. And uh, so, yeah, Barry represents a period of soul-searching for me when I was a young person. And it wasn't until my first summer in Barrie where I realized, I love this city. You know, it's just, it's the perfect place to be on a hot summer day. And, uh, yeah, my mom is buried in Barrie. And uh, I have a friend that has a cottage in Georgian Bay, so I love stopping off in Barrie halfway up to that drive. And um, still keep in touch with some friends from school to this day. And it's funny about the book and doing press, hearing from some people that I went to high school with. Somehow they got a hold of me and tracked me down and sent me a message on Facebook or whatever. And beautiful things to say. What I realized writing this book, and I talk about this in the book too, is that everyone has a story. Everyone has a story worthy of a published book. Everyone has moments in their lives and lives that are beautiful, sweet, sad, heart-wrenching, surprising, educational. You know what I mean? You have a story. Whoever's listening to this right now has a great story. I just, I feel so fortunate that I could have a chance to tell my story and in the process bring back memories for some people and also maybe share some life lessons that I've learned along the way. You have obviously interviewed countless people, all of your heroes, you know, from like, from all walks of life. And I have to ask you this, is there anybody that you would still love to interview that you haven't, that's still living? Uh, <laughs> anyone that you're just like dying to or has it has sort of like you checked off most of them? Uh, yeah, um, I've Lady Gaga, I think, mm-hmm. would have been um, a great interview. Uh, I think Paul McCartney, I think, would be an amazing interview. I've interviewed Ringo, I've interviewed... Yoko Ono, maybe the fifth Beatle. Uh, Pete Best, who replaced, or who was the Beatles' first drummer. I've interviewed John Lennon's kids. Um, everyone around the Beatles I seem to have interviewed, but never Paul McCartney and or George Harrison, but he's no longer with us, too. So, yeah, I think the big two for me would have been uh, Paul McCartney and Lady Gaga. I remember buying the cassette of Paul McCartney's greatest hits at Sam the Record Man in Barrie at the, at the Five Points. I think it was the Sam's that was there back yeah. in the 80s. And are, do you still consider yourself the biggest music fan? Oh, yeah. And I still, I buy CDs still. I, um, the experience of taking off the plastic, pouring over liner notes, pouring over lyrics. That's the beautiful thing about a CD or an album. And you don't get that with streaming. And um, that's okay. Some people just want to hear music as a background, and I'm not going to deny them that, but... 
for me, it's a little bit more of a deeper personal experience listening to music. You know, even though you're out of the, I guess, big national spotlight of much music and you have been for a long time, you're still doing crazy things. You're still very much a part of television, a part of your community. Like I saw in your book, like you've done wrestling. Um, it's just some of the fun stuff that comes with having a job in media that you're, you're still incredibly engaged in the community. Oh, yeah. And um, I always will be. I've always worked in television and uh, really nothing's changed in terms of being curious about people and letting a chance, you know, having a chance to tell people stories or to promote certain events and charities. And um, yeah, nothing's changed in that realm. Maybe the size of the audience has changed, uh, but that's okay. I don't mind that at all. Mm -hmm. And again, it's about connecting with the people that are available. You know, and we get back to the title of the book, Happy. Uh, yeah, I'm the happiest that I've been in, I think, in my entire career of 35 years of doing this. And I'm in a small town in eastern Ontario, or a small city. And uh, geographically, it reminds me of Barrie. It's surrounded by water. I love that. And uh, people are great. People care. And, yeah, I can't ask for anything more. Big weekend on the Barrie Waterfront, the Dragon Boat Festival returns, sponsored by the Barrie Public Library. As exciting to watch as it is to take part in, the library's Chris Vandercruz joining our Ian McLennan with the details and who will benefit. What is it? When is it happening? And of course, uh, critical component, this is a big fundraiser for the library, correct? It is for sure. And this is actually going to be our 19th annual. Of course, we had the two sabbatical years. And uh, it's hosted by the library, of course, and presented by the Tim Hortons, our local franchisees. It's uh, Saturday, August 19th is the day, and it's going to be a warm day and sunny and lots of water, of course, to be in. And uh, how many teams uh, are involved and what's the nature of the competition, if you like? So as in the past, we've always had, you know, close to 50 to 60 teams. And of course, the pandemic changed that a little bit. And now we're around just under 30. So it is coming back. Last year, we were 20. So uh, we're doing better at getting it back into the swing of things and getting people out again. But it has about 600 paddlers come in and participate that day. And of course, lots of people come to watch and enjoy everything that we have on the waterfront. Now, talking to people who've been involved in it previously, I mean, they almost take like some Olympic training on here. You've got some amateurs and those that have done it actually on a, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah, I know you're right there. I mean, there are some real diehards that are out there twice a week, actually, and because our boats go in usually the end of May and they're there right through till October. And what happens is we have the Barry Dragon Boat Club, of course, in Barry as well. Right. And so they go to a lot of different festivals all across Canada and elsewhere. So they are out there training all the time. There's also some teams that just uh, build, I guess, companionship by going out on a regular basis and, and they learn to work together. And I think that's the whole idea about dragon boating is, you know, you're with 20 other people in the boat. You all have to paddle in sync and work together to achieve what you want in the end. You better believe in teamwork. That's correct. <laughs> you better, yes. Now, this is a fundraiser for the library. And just a bit of background for people who may not be familiar. You've got the main downtown branch, but you've got other branches uh, located within pockets of the city. And tell us how much, is there a goal here? So we don't necessarily ever set a goal, but realistically, even the Dragon Ball Festival, originally it was started to raise money for Painswick, which we have, of course. And and now we also have Holly. So we do utilize money from our reserves, which 
was built from the Dragon Boat Festival. With our festival, it's sort of you put a team in, you raise money for the charity of your choice. Mm. If it's the Barry Public Library, that's great. If not, it may be for hospice, it may be for Grove Park, it may be for the hospital. The idea is that you are still supporting a charity within the community, and it's not all about just the Barry Library. It's about our community as a whole. So I think that's the biggest piece. So we do get funds donated to us through the festival, as well as we usually make a little bit of money on the festival. But that goes into our reserve for future branches. And that makes sense, too, because when you talk about a library, it is community, right? Exactly. We're, we're all about community. We're about building community. And we're about being here for the people in the community. And uh, where's the best viewing point for the public to uh, see the activity on the water? So the actually is down at Heritage Park, yep. and it will start like I think the races actually start at eight, but we have Waking the Dragon around seven thirty, and the action will start right away. So come on down that morning and enjoy the beautiful sunrise as well as see the dragons out on the water. And then there's some activity after the event too, a celebration. So what it is is actually during the, during the festival, we have different things happening all day. We have the Barry Public Library tent, and it has all different activities for kids and, and all ages, actually, as well as we have the memory moment, which sort of celebrates the life of those that have gone before us that may have participated even in within Dragon Boat Racing. And I think that's the idea is that we're building a day of celebration, and that's what we want everybody to come and enjoy. And I'll leave it on this note. Uh, have you done dragon boating? I have paddled, not in the races it's per se. I've always been sort of festival chief in some sense. And uh, so it's all the things that happen in the background. That's what I sort of help make sure no one else notices. And do we paddle rain and shine? We paddle rain and shine. I mean, the only time that we haven't paddled is when we've had thunderstorms right. and different things. But if it's raining, you're going to get wet anyway, so it's not going to matter. Great. Thanks very much. Hey, thank you. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began a year ago, learned about the Orbit Adventure in Innisville, a proposed all-inclusive community with a ghost station at its core, spoke with the author of the Sex, Drugs, and Pots and Pans cookbook about such dishes as roasted red-hot chili peppers and Paradise by the Oven Light Meatloaf, and got some insight into stiff person syndrome from a Barry woman who is stricken with it. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, an innovative village that offers people with dementia a better quality of life, far from the institutions many wind up in, and we find out what's new at this year's Canadian National Exhibition. Now this. Our community rocks. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 888 donate Our community rocks on Barry's Rock Station. Rock 95.
This is what Barry's talking about from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. Dementia, Alzheimer's disease. What do you do when a family member is diagnosed with such? It's a difficult call on so many levels, frustrating at times for all involved due to the nature of it. A retirement or long-term care home is often an option which, try as they might to make everyone comfortable, may still end in some frustration. Then there's Village Langley in British Columbia, a community developed especially for those with dementia and Alzheimer's. Elroy Jesperson, a co-founder founder of Village Langley. Elroy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. This appears to be one of those, why didn't I think of that projects? <laughs> well, I thought about it a long time, and uh, um, it, 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 it's different, and, and that often is the number one barrier, because many people don't want to be different, although we need to be. But I, I spent 30 years in the senior living business doing what you see when you think of the senior living business and I realized that uh, as much hard as we tried to make a good life for all of the people who lived with us there was one group of people that we really struggled with and it was people living with dementia and so I began to think well why what could we do and so I explored uh, what other people were doing in Europe in the states uh, and um my thinking turned to we need to create a unique little village uh, that where people can live in their homes, they can move about as they want, uh, they can engage in life, and they can decide what to do when they want to do it. And so um, that's where my thinking came to. And at the end of the day, the village Langley came about with the help of many, many creative people. There's a general store, a cafe, a bistro, a woodworking shop, a beauty salon, all the comforts of home almost. Yeah. Well, we, we our, our first criteria was to say, let's build houses where people could be at home. And so uh, all of our houses are cottage style, uh, single story, ground level uh, cottages where 12 villagers will live and they will have the same two or three people, staff, team, support them day in and day out. Uh, and then they're able to walk out the front door without any barriers, without any locks, without any steps, and move around the village. And it's on seven acres, so we have a lot of paths and um, interesting places for them to go and see and check out. And, uh, it, again, we focus on one of our, our principles is embrace normal. So we try to make life as normal as it can be in an environment that many people can relate to. It's, it's almost like a gated community, but uh, the, the people who are living there don't know that. Right. We have seven acres, and it's, it's a well-treated uh, property with residential on two sides and uh, then a, a creek and whatnot running down and uh, the other sides of it. And uh, we have eight-foot-high fences with uh, shrubs and flowers and stuff in front, so you can walk through there and you don't even realize that there's a fence there that might keep you from going right instead of left. And I talked about uh, the frustration in, in uh, people for, for people who have dementia, frustration for the families, I suppose, frustration for the workers who are, are helping them as well. Um, then some of that is still there, but it's dealt with in a different manner, isn't it? 
Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I think more than one of us have heard when we're upset, somebody would say, hey, why don't you go take a walk and cool off? Well, guess what? At the village, they can. In other words, if somebody is frustrated, uh, you're not confined, you're not told to sit down or go to your room, you can go and, and do something. You can be engaged in something you you want to do. And so I, I personally believe that a lot of the behaviors that one might associate associate with somebody living with dementia are the result, not of the disease, but of the frustration. Because when I look at myself in that situation, I would be frustrated too. And I would be upset and want to strike out or yell or say whatever. So I think uh, we're able to allow people to have the space to do what they want when they want. Do you have any notion as to uh, how this has changed life for somebody with dementia? Has it prolonged uh, their their life and, and their memory because they've been able to still uh, move on with their lives? Um, I, we have no data, nor do I really think um, it, it necessarily prolongs somebody's life with dementia because there is no, at this point, cure for dementia. What I see is uh, a whole lot of villagers smiling, engaged in life, family members who are happy and uh, engaged with their loved one, not as a care partner, but as a spouse or a child. Uh, so it, it creates this more normal relationship. And uh, I've had people say, it feels so nice here and so relaxed and so calm. And I can guarantee you that is not what most people say when they visit, when they visit a dementia unit somewhere. It must be a tremendous relief for, for the families of somebody with dementia to know that they're in that kind of an environment and, and essentially thriving. Absolutely. Well, that's part of our, our, our mission is to create this environment where people flourish and thrive. How many arms did you have to twist, and how far did you have to twist them to get this off the ground? Well, I, I didn't have to twist too hard because uh, we had uh, a small group of investors who had invested in other projects that we had done, and when I started talking about what could be, they really became excited and said, okay, we're in. And that gave us the equity to start this. Now, um, we knew that if we went to the government and wanted the government to help us do this, we would still be talking about stuff. So we just did it, and, and that was part of our purpose, is to demonstrate a better way to do uh, to support people living with dementia. Because I would talk about this before we started, and people say, oh, that sounds great. Where can I look at one? And I'd say, well, you can't, because it hasn't been done yet. So we said, we just have to do it so that People can come and actually see it in uh, operation, can see the impact it has on, on the people living there. And so we've had people literally come from around the world to look at the village. Uh, we're talking to researchers to come in and do some research uh, so that we can have some definitive data on the impact of the environment the village has on, on a person's life. Um, but... I was fortunate in that. I mean, the the idea and the concept makes so much sense 
that why wouldn't you do it? You know, it's just that if you look at things through a certain lens, through regulation, through risk aversion, you say, oh, that's not a good thing to do. But if you look at things through the life of enriched living and living your own best life, then, hey, there's a whole lot of things one can do. If people want more information about Village Langley, where do they turn for that? Well, they can go. Uh, the Village Langley, we have a website. I mean, if they just Google the Village Langley, uh, we're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all of the usual social media sites, uh, and they can find all sorts of information. Elroy, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for you for what you've done for the families of, of uh, people with dementia and the people who have dementia themselves. This is just fantastic. Well, thank you for your interest. Gates open at the Canadian National Exhibition, the CNE, the X, on the 18th for its annual run through Labor Day. I'm joined by Daryl Brown, CEO of the CNE. Welcome to what Barry's talking about. Hey, thank you for the invite. As a kid growing up in Toronto, I never missed going to the X. Went with my dad and my brothers uh, when I was really young, then with my friends in my teens, and then with my kids when they were younger. But I couldn't tell you the last time I was there. So tell me why I want to get my butt down there this year. Well, I tell you, there's a lot of people who want to get get their butts down here. Uh, We're up 60% in advanced ticket sales over last year, and we're up over 100% from 2019. So people want to come. We try and do a nice mix of things, and and we're always looking to to innovate. We've got... uh, you know, an 18-day gaming garage that's now being sponsored by Intel this year. It used to be sponsored by AMD. Um, that's just a lot of fun in itself. There's competitions there, but there's also new innovations and um, and some pretty high-tech uh, things to explore. We've, we've got something on the outside this year, which... Um, which is going to help people cool off on a real hot day but still have some fun in the midway. Um, it's a 150-foot super wheel that's going to have uh, enclosed air-conditioned cabins that can house four to six people at a time. So, you know, you can rotate up to the top of that, see all of what's happening at the CNE and see the Toronto cityscape and be cool all the while. So, you know, that'll be fun. Um, and we've added 25 more drones to our nightly drone show. So there'll be 100 drones going up this year if the wind cooperates because, if we hit 40 kilometers wind, we can't put them up. But um, so, you know, people really liked that last year. And we're doing something new on the water, too. Um, we have what are really dancing fountains that'll shoot up uh, 100 feet into the air to music. And uh, it'll be especially cool in the night because there'll be laser lighting uh, reflecting off of uh, all of the design and music uh, accompaniments. So that's uh, that's something uh, to get a little breeze off the water and see what's happening down there. So lots of things to talk about. I know I mentioned my kids and going as a kid. And uh, do you find a lot of people think of the X as a place just to take the kids? I know there's a lot of adult things to do, and there always yeah. have been. But, but do you have that misconception sometimes you have to fight through? Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we, we contract with Enigma Research to, to independently assess some things for us. You know, they do the economic impact assessment, but they also look at, at preferences. And you know, 78% of the people that come to the X uh, say their prime destination is the food building. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so food is a really big deal for a lot of people. Um, you, know, you know, I think it varies depending on where you are in your life. Um, uh, the kids' world thing is great when you have little kids. And also, you know, the uh, the smaller rides for for uh, for the younger kids as well. But um, people want to do different things because you know some people come for the band show and and just walk to 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 hear the music. We've got some really interesting stuff in the Entercare Center. There's a, we call it a a trip through 103, which it's. It's almost like being on a high without the drugs. It's um, this translucent webbing with, uh, again, projected designs that are immersive, but uh, also to music. And it's really kind of another place to chill out and, and have some fun. So I think it depends on the person. You know, if you're a gamer, you're going to go to the gaming garage. If you, uh, if you like some of the tribute bands, you'll go to the Midway stage. But then maybe you want to see, you know, uh, William Prince or the or the Sheepdogs or Dionne Warwick. So it varies depending on the person. Now, I remember when going with with my dad when I was a kid, he would he would he would drag us into the Better Living Building, and, yeah. but that's where you saw all the new innovative things going on. It didn't yeah. interest me then, but it would interest me now. Yeah, so I mean, we're still doing that. We we had something called the Innovation Garage, which was which were pitch competitions for new inventions, and we sort of rolled the Innovation Garage into uh, into the Gaming Garage. But we're still doing that. We have new concepts coming out, and we're also doing some innovative things ourselves. So, you know, it won't be part of this fair per se, but we are developing a metaverse platform. Um, so, you know, people are going to be able to get their avatars and, and come to the X in different ways virtually. So, so we're, you know, we're looking at what the technology has to offer and, uh, and in going with that, you know, some of our sponsors, for example, we had uh, VinFast last year, which is a Vietnamese uh, company that uh, is into the EV market. We've got other EV early research designs that are going to be on display, and we even have Bombardier coming down with their uh, their newest model, uh, Jets. So, uh, you know, I think the innovation side of what you know, we were always regarded historically as a showcase of the nation, and we're still trying to feed into that each year. You also have a skating show this year with Elvis Stoiko. Yeah, well, that's another one of those things. If there was a repeated message to us, because the last time we had a skating show was four years ago, um, people wanted it back. And again, it's another opportunity if you're owed and it's a hot day to go into the Coliseum and to see uh, Elvis and and the entourage put on a fantastic skating performance. And, and we, of course, usually have some acrobatics uh, rolled in with it. The, the theme this year is the music over the decades, so that'll be entertaining in itself. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. All right, lots more happening as well. We can't get into all of it here, of course, but uh, if people want more information before they decide to go down, where do they find that? Well, go to the X.com, and if you if you want to come down, you save a lot of money if you buy early. So, and for kids, they can log on and get free passes as well uh, through the you know we distribute to the 1.2 million free passes through the school board. So, and you can access those online. But um, yeah, do buy early and you pay less. I think I might make the trip this year, Daryl. Hey, I'd love to see you down here. Thanks so much for this today, and uh, have a blast. Hey, thank you. 
And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and MJ for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to what Barry's talking about, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with what Barry's talking about on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com, and on our daily Kickstart podcast, available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week. 